Clay, it's fitting that the podcast gods frowned on us and during what I consider to be the best episode of Enterprise we've seen so far, I was deathly ill, thematically appropriate, but still I was sitting there nervous to talk because I had that tickle in my throat. I was going to start coughing. I talked mm-hmm. anyway. I coughed. I sneezed. It was awful. Couldn't get my point across. So I had couldn't focus. Had a headache. It was. And, and so it was in, terrible. In, <laughs> a true tragedy. And as we move on to uh, today, I'm feeling much better, chipper. I have some energy, ready to talk about things. I got stuff to say. I was, I was going to say you. You are glowing. I, you I look do. Like it's you these, could it's take these, on the world. These Home Depot lights that I've strapped to my monitor to give me enough light to get this webcam have <laughs> really brought my blood color. Do you know? Actually, I'm learning how to do color correction uh, in video oh. editing. Right. That's fun. And. Let me know if this blows your mind. On color correcting wheels that they do for like Photoshop and stuff, you probably actually know this. Um, there's a little line on one of the scopes that tells you skin tone color. So there's like a circle where the image oh. that you're on, it shows you this sort of plot of all the color on the, sc- on the scope. And then there's a mm-hmm. line for skin color. And you're supposed to line up the skin tones of your image on this line. What I found remarkable is that the line works no matter what color skin you have. So the blackest, darkest-skinned Nigerian person looks exactly the same on that line as a like northern Scandinavian European white, like white-skinned person. Basically, it's apparently it's measuring the blood color, and the skin is just a tone of that color that's coming through. Interesting. Okay. I was I was I was blown away by it and the person did it on the thing. It was like it's exactly the same. So it's it's you can think about it as the color of a human skin is the same tone. It's just a different shade of that tone. Does that make sense? Have you just become colorblind in a in a <laughs> national sense? Are you a more have globalized I healed, person? Have I healed now? Kenosha? Have you just, Are they not gonna kill each other just, now? <laughs> You've just figured out that we are all the same people. <laughs> <laughs> fittingly, fittingly through a through the the cold machinations of a computer program. <laughs> what a better way to describe this episode of Enterprise, which is a long way of me going around to say that I'm feeling much better now. And unfortunately, we get to discuss a relentlessly mediocre episode of Star Trek Enterprise. I should have been better mm. last week when we could have talked about the best episode that they've done so far. But let's get into Babel One. It's the 12th episode of the fourth season. It came out on January 28th, 2005. It is one of three in the Romulan interference arc, written by Mike Sussman and Andre Bormanis, directed by David Strayton in University State is November 12th, 2154. In this episode called Babel One, Enterprise journeys to Babel with a Tellarite ambassador on board for peace talks with the Andorians when a distress call from Shran is received. Part one of three. Here we go. I told you Relentless Mediocrity. That was the name of the game for me today. What'd you think of Babel 1? Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad nobody ruined that the Romulans were going to show up this time. They're more involved in this uh, one than they are in the other one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wrong, too. I said that they weren't going to be a recurring thing. They they were part of mm. this storyline, so I, I, I misled you earlier. I apologize. <laughs> the thing that I was I didn't realize is that and I, I apologize for my incredibly short memory when it comes to this show, that Archer and the humans are aware of the Romulans. Yeah. When do they become aware of the Romulans? Oh, they meet them remember? in that second season episode, Minefield, <clears throat> where they... Um, oh, okay. The Reed sure. has to go out on the, the outside of the hull because the Romulan mine got stuck. They run into Romulan oh, war- warbirds right. in that episode. That's right. They mentioned, they mentioned the minefield in this. I forgot about that. Uh yeah, it was uh um it was okay. Like I didn't <clears throat> didn't blow me away. I thought it was and Sorry, uh, also just to <clears throat> to be fully on track. In um one of the time travel episodes, Archer opens that book that's about the Romulan Star Empire and he's like, "What is this about?" and the guy's like, "This is why you have to live to stop the Romulans." <laughs> yeah, so Can you at least tell me what they look like? No, I'm no. sorry, we can't do that. No. It uh, creates a headache for most of the producers. I mean, uh, the space-time continuum. Um, they, they communicate yeah, via I, ham radio. It's it's really remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't see them. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I, I liked the cold open. I thought the cold open was good. Um, I liked... Did you like the, you, what's uh, the... The cold open is Shran on the ship, right? Are you thinking of the right thing? Yeah. 
just okay. blown up ship with Strand being like, "Hey, who blew up my ship?" I thought that was pretty underwhelming. Uh, I guess it, it's yeah, it's 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 a good Enterprise cold open in that something actually intrigued me as to oh, what's going on. <clears throat> um, the rest of it, I thought was I thought was okay. Uh, it didn't really blow me away. It's always nice to see Brian Thompson show up. Sorry, can um, we can we stop on the cold of... open for a second here because sure, I was surprised. In typical, to me, it did a typical Enterprise thing, which is, <coughs> excuse me, they shot it. The scene that they show is right after the incident that I would want to see in the cold open, which is them being yes. attacked by the Tellarites yes. and Strand going, you Tellarite bastards, and then it goes, it's been a right. long road, and that doesn't happen. Oh, that reminds me. I don't know why, but Amazon did not let me skip the song this time. Oh. The skip button didn't show up, and then I clicked up, and the skip button showed up, and I hit the skip button, and it jumped me forward about five seconds. So I had to sit through the whole song, and I was not thrilled about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. I think I think uh, storytelling-wise, it makes more sense to to show the ship actually attack and stuff like that. But I, I yeah, I kind of get. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I guess you. It works either way, but yeah, it probably works better to to show the ship, um, <clears throat> especially because I have no idea what a Tellarite ship looks like. Right. So when they show that video later of the Tellarite ship, everybody else has to go, oh, that's a Tellarite ship. Yeah, looks like a pig. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, the the uh, uh, pretending to be each of the warring races in order to jumpstart some sort of a war. Um, I feel like has did somebody do that in a Star Trek? Is that basically part, Star Trek Six again? <clears throat> is it, or is it my thinking of a Doctor Seuss book? I don't know. It feels like it's an interesting idea, but it feels like it's not an incredibly novel. Okay. Um, that giant Romulan ship, I was not expecting because that thing with the uh, the Daft Punk pilot there. Um, <clears throat> I did like the the twist at the end that they weren't actually on the ship; they were actually driving it from Brian Thompson's living room. Yep. That was fun. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, it didn't. It was fine, I guess. I'm I, I'm sorry, I can't bring more energy to to it, but uh, uh, yeah, I I think the um the politicking actually I kind of found interesting, but then once it kind of turned into a. Uh, Shran's gonna run through the ship and try and kill the guy, and then Archer's gotta go down and stop him from killing the guy, and the Mako's proved to be useless again. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it was okay. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a pretty. I was um, I was actually struck. It felt to me the most like an earlier season Enterprise episode out of all the season four episodes that we've seen so far. It felt. Mm. It felt really familiar in a lot of ways. It was like this is what the show used to do a lot of the time. They would just have ignored the Tellarites and the Andorians. Like they would just bring somebody onto the ship. Something's gone on. There's an incident. There's going to be an action scene where they run through the ship to try to stop the thing from happening, and then and then it gets to this. Um, it, it really just struck me as I, it felt very much in an Enterprise wheelhouse down to the action scene that you were talking about. It also does the Andorian and Tellarite thing, which I think I'll, which I think I do enjoy most, and I'll get into that um, in a little bit. But it also felt to me out of the arcs that we've done in the fourth season, this was the most that I felt like this is not a full episode, really. Like I, I got to the end and I was like, ah, I know I need to see the next part to see where this is actually going to go. But this, this one felt more than the Augment arc or the Vulcan arc, that this was just the setup to an, a story, really, and that the main sure. meal is coming afterwards. <clears throat> I don't know if that's a criticism, but when when I'm used to watching this show and I'm used to the episodes really sort of, even within the arc, sort of standing on their own as a discrete unit, this one felt really low energy in the sense that the next one seems like where things are going to pick up a bit. Like, this one was really... It never caught me with the moment that I'm like, oh, this is the episode taking off right now. It just it just coasted all the way through, even to the Romulan reveal, which was okay, but it, it didn't feel like it was enough to hang an episode on. Yeah, I um I don't really I wasn't really super interested by the end about what the next one was going to be because I I don't know, it just for for the first part of a three parter, it didn't really hook me at the end. Like it was fun 
it was fun to do that reveal uh, that they were not on the ship or whatever. But I don't know. It, they the enterprise the problem on Enterprise has more or less been solved. Um, I guess they just got to go back and get Trip and and uh, Reed. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, actually what I don't spoiled know. the uh, Romulan reveal. Once. Once they were able to spend that amount of time on the ship looking around and you intercut it with scenes where the writing in hindsight is trying very desperately not to say that the character's like, we're not on the ship, so they won't be able to find us, right? Like, it's that kind of the, thing. The second, the second they found them in the ship, found Reed and Trip in the ship, and nobody there said, send three men down yeah. to get them. I was yeah. like, uh, something fishy's going on yeah. here. Yeah. I, I thought, I actually thought, I actually gave the show more latitude where I was like, are they existing on a different dimensional plane inside the ship? Right. Sure. Yeah. So they're because I mean, they seem to be on the bridge, but then Brian Thompson's also on the bridge is like, are they on a different like vibrational wavelength or something? No, they're just they're just uh, uh, piloting it from their living room. Yeah. I was actually thinking they were on another ship remotely piloting it. So I didn't expect them to go all the way to Romulus, but I thought that they'd be on another identical ship that was controlling that one for whatever reason. Mm. Not the mm. case. Um, so I guess this is mostly kind of a prequel to Journey <coughs> to Babel, which is a TOS episode where we meet Sarek for the first time. Uh, that's oh, a really? meeting on the planets and also in the ship where the Andorians and Tellarites and humans and Vulcans all get together for their annual buffet or whatever they do as a group. Um, we've met the Tellarites. It's a potluck. We've met the Tellarites before in Bounty in the second season. One of the the bounty hunter that captures Archer to bring him to the Klingons is a Tellarite. So this is not the first time we've seen them. But what would you think of these guys, these fat little porkers? I could not remember if we had seen them before. Um, I assumed that we had. Um, the re- the reason that I couldn't remember, well, just because I don't remember this stuff, but uh, they were they were talking about how to communicate with them so much that I wasn't sure if this was the first time. I don't remember that being them. a part of the archer yeah. kidnapped by a bounty hunter. I don't remember him. Um, what the show calls being argumentative, but which is really just insulting each other. They don't seem to like to argue. They just like to insult each other. There's a difference there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I wish. Uh, <laughs> I wish Hoshi had. You know, in that first day, at first scene, I thought they were like rehearsing a play or something. I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, but I, I kind of wish Hoshi had been like, yeah, it's 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 easy to get stuck when talking to these people. So what I've done is I've compiled. 400 pages of the most classic uh, Yo Mama jokes, and those work every time. It was a very popular form of communication in the early 90s in America. It's their, their Shakespeare is just endless yes. your mother jokes. <laughs> your mother is so fat. How fat is she? So fat. When she sits around the house, she really sits around <laughs> the house. And then the Tellerite stares at you and goes... All right. All right. That's good. <laughs> that's my. I like these guys as a construct, except mm-hmm. for the fact that I think the execution is not what they say the construct is. Like Archer brings up an interesting point where he's like, geez, these guys are probably politicians or something. I'm like, oh, you could easily set up this race as the. In the way that the Vorta were like the bureaucrats of the Dominion, the Tellarites are kind of the politicians of the Federation or something like that. Sure. But sure. They, they don't. My problem with it is that I think that they're too similar to the Andorians in just being kind of dicks all the time. And I would have set them up differently because I think that there's room to have a species that is not actively hostile or suspicious or paranoid, but they do like to just kind of argue all the time. So it's difficult to get stuff done with them. My problem is that they're, they're too... Because they rely on them being insult comics and like everything they do is a roast of somebody, <laughs> they come across as similarly too hostile as the Andorians. And I don't think that there's a great um, dramatic rub between all of the races when they do that. There's only four. You have to get the humans, Vulcans, Andorians, and Tellarites all to occupy a very specific space that they can interact with each other. And I don't think they do that effectively here between those two anyway. 
Yeah, I also was a little bit the the insulting thing <clears throat> or the argumentative thing seemed like just a bit of a uh pointless some flavor. fun stuff. Yeah, pointless flavor cuz like after those first two scenes it it was that's not like it's not like the Darmok guys. It's like they don't apparently just talk that way all the time. No, they don't they don't insult each other in their own little group. When they're talking to each other, they don't insult each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then like once they get into what was funny is when they started arguing with Shran and and the the uh um Andorians, it was so different than what they had set up as the quote unquote way they communicate, which is just insulting everybody, that it stood out to me, whereas it shouldn't have because they were just arguing with each other. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> but I think you're right. I think I think there's. It's too bad that they didn't play it more as argumentative instead of just being, uh, you know, um, uh, triumph the insult comic dog. Yeah. Times four, uh, because that that is uh, that's almost more. F- I mean, I guess it is fun. Where it's like, oh, you you say hello by saying, "Wow, you look like a piece of shit today." Yeah, but like, I think there's more fun built into that concept if it's just that they argue with you all the time, and it's just because that's exhausting. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <clears throat> just the concept of that is exhausting. Just that they're even small things. You know, it's like just they're. I because I, I think there's a way to somewhat play them as an emotional Vulcan analog right where the vulcans disagree with the humans all the time because they have this sort of logical approach to things and the humans emotional response and the humans emotional um inferences into things lead to a little bit of friction i could see another the other side of that coin is the tellerites who are like humans except they they don't so they don't have this rationality drive but instead they just have this obsessive desire to almost like one up you all the time you know and it's like we should go warp mm-hmm. 4.7 i think captain actually it's like god damn it will this guy will this guy shut up at, at any point i think that would be more interesting and i think that that's actually harder for archer and the humans to get through than it is just to remember to call this guy a piece of shit every time you see him right, you know like right. if you're actually it's, trying it's to get something to right too. It's, it's a lot harder to write yeah that's the, the yeah. trade-off yeah. No, but I, I agree. I think it is it is more interesting, especially when especially when you when you are dealing with a an argumentative race who you actually legitimately do have to deal with and argue with. And yeah. it's not just how they say hello. That that does um put some wrinkles into the into the proceedings that I think are, are could be pretty interesting. Yeah. It's just I, I think it's as Archer proves here, it's easy to get around their quirk. As long as you know what you're supposed to say to them, they are accepting of that situation and they go along with it. It's it's actually easier to get around than it is to get around the Vulcan and the Andorian aspects because the Andorians yeah. are paranoid and the Vulcans are just kind of standoffish and um, difficult to work with in the way that they, as I said before, how they rub against the humans. The Tellarites need to occupy that same spot, I think, because... This is this obviously this is the start of the Federation arc. Um I just my we'll see how it goes. But the problem so far to me in trying to do this arc and with what Enterprise has done so far is that the races all feel very small to me. And I don't know if that's mm. something that the show can get around or make it seem like it's more dramatic, but I don't get the sense that there's like an interstellar friction or um hostilities going on just because all the times we see these people is in like the the um the lunchroom of the enterprise and it's like it yes. feels it just yeah. feels too small it doesn't feel like anything is actually yeah. being accomplished here uh i don't know how you fix that on the show but i think that a lot of it would have gone if like they had been developed throughout the course of the series in the way that the andorians and the vulcans had been and just they Again, my final point is just they have to, if you're going to do this arc where you're developing this federation, I think that you have to pinpoint where the species all intersect with each other, why they would not get along sure. in the first place. Sure. And then you can really flesh out your episodes as to explain like, well, the humans dealt with the Tellarites doing this and they dealt with the Andorians doing this. I think they've actually dealt with the Andorians the best in that case because Archer and Shran are friends yeah. now, but the Tellarites are not the same. 
Well, you also get that moment in this episode too, where um, uh, to Paul and Archer are talking, and Archer's like, uh, "Maybe it would have been better if if the Vulcans talked to these two. And to Paul's just like, eh, "Probably not." Uh, but it would have been more interesting for him to push back and, and and kind of unpack that a little bit. Like, why are the aside from the fact that yeah, the Andorians and the Vulcans have been at each other's throats forever. But like, you know, I think there's room for an interesting conversation about the differences between these. Like, why wouldn't are they be, picking the humans? Wouldn't it be rational if we all got along to Paul? Did you want to bring up yeah, some, some yeah. Vulcan logic into this thing? I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, and it's. But I mean, I get. <clears throat> It's tough because, like, is that what the episode's about? I think that might be the problem is that it gets that that stuff gets kind of hamstrung by the the plot of it all. Um, and it's not really about and maybe that's part of the, the what you're saying that this feels like it is the it feels like a first part of something else because they don't really get into anything right. like that. Maybe they'll get into that in the next two episodes. I don't know. Well, but, they're, they're uh, going to overcome the Romulans, right? Isn't that what it has to be? Mm-hmm. They'll recognize everyone. All four, all four groups will recognize that the Romulans don't want them to be a united front, and that'll that that just is a to me that if that's what happens, it's just a it's a less side. It's this smallness thing where you can apparently have an entire federation triggered by recognizing that there's a common enemy, as opposed to a more natural building of working relationships with each other. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the problem, I think. And, well, yeah, because uh, it's, I mean, you got to do it in three episodes, right? Right. I mean, that's the best way to <clears throat> get people on the same page is present them with a common enemy. If you really wanted to build this, excuse me. God, I'm coughing all day today, too. Are you sick? Um, no, I just have a cough that's always there for some reason. Two-pack-a-day habit. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, if if they had spent time with these cultures and let that stuff develop more naturally, I think uh, you wouldn't have to rely on. We get three episodes to do this and and get these two guys together. Let's throw the Romulans in there and, and have them give them somebody to to, to join up and fight against. Um, but it's it's tough because it's like Enterprise isn't really that kind of show where it's, right. it's not really that much of a like a political machinations. No, nope. uh, let's spend a season looking at the way these cultures mesh with each other and the and the uh, drama that comes from that. It's not really what they've ever been about. The show has not failed. I would not say that the show has failed in what it's trying to do. It's just it's now trying to cram it in at the end of something and yeah. it's not as yeah. satisfying. It's yeah, it's got a little bit of the. I think this fourth season has a little bit across the board of of uh episode three disease to an extent where it's like we got to wrap this up we got how are we gonna make sure that we're in the position that this makes sense within the canon uh as quickly as possible right like do you really need to i mean maybe maybe i'm giving it too little credit and that uh assuming that they'll be on their way completely to forming the federations by the end of this arc or season um but yeah, it it the season has felt a little bit like it's it's leaning more into that where it's like this is the last season. <clears throat> Let's hit some some marks that people might think we're going to hit that let lead you into the original series or whatever and yeah. uh send them home happy as they say. Yeah, I I I guess the 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 problem there is that you're saying it's like that they have to kind of wrap it up. I'd be I'd be almost fine with it would be sad that it got canceled at that point but like, like even just introducing the ideas I think at this stage is enough but they were definitely under the this was the uh, I was looking at the notes Babel 1 was the least viewed episode of Enterprise to this point so across the entire really? series a couple days after it aired is when the official cancellation notice came in so this is the point in the Damn. show where we know that the show's no longer happening um, had it been declining steadily before that yeah they all they all okay. do kind of but this yeah. was just, it's, it so only it's got not like just two, like two million yeah it's not just like people took one to one look at the tellerites and were like no thank you this week and then that yeah. was just they dropped they lost two two hundred thousand viewers because the tellerite showed up you know what's funny is that um like 
the internet's changed so much. When I when I think of two million, when I think of like before in a pre-internet context, if I think uh, two million people watch this, I go, wow, that's a lot of people watching it. But now YouTube actually gives you a better sense of what's a lot of people watching a video. You know, like yeah. if if you yeah. have a, a a viral video on YouTube does not get two million views it gets it gets like 50 million 60 million you know and it's like okay right, that, like yeah. that's actually a lot of people watching something um it's just interesting how like it's given me perspective into how many people are actually watching something what's impressive for them and what isn't um but anyway this is the end of enterprise at that point i understand the production team's desire to close some of these loops and put them in a place where TOS starts to make sense in context of this stuff. I, um, I don't know. I just based on what we saw last episode for observer effect, I would prefer a season more like that, a season of observer effects, which have this connection, but it's not this great, like we got to run to the finish line guys. Like we got to get the Andorians and the Tellarites all talking to each other. How the fuck are we going to do that? Let's bring the Romulans into it. That's what I would prefer, I think. And it's tough just going on this one because, again, this feels like all set up. But I don't really – I just don't think that these species are set up and I don't care about the Romulans enough to be like, this will all be worthwhile. Where Observer Effect, I felt, was really worthwhile. And that was a lot of a fun – that was a good episode to watch and a good episode to talk about and think about. It had something to say. Babel 1 doesn't really have anything to say about the forming of the Federation at this point. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm sure they. Uh, I would assume the Vulcans will show up at some point in the next two episodes. <clears throat> um, but I wonder if they didn't pick the wrong two species to focus on in this one because they've been playing and dealing with the Andorians and the Vulcans for three seasons or so. I don't remember when that started. If that started in the first season or what? But yeah, it did. Um, that's that's a thread that they've been pulling for the entire season, the existence of the show, um, <clears throat> and it's never quite been. No one's ever really quite been on the same page about it. To me, the Tellarites don't mean anything to me. Like it, it, I if it was the two sides that they've been kind of, you know, knocking together for four seasons, getting into this like, this might be it situation that they have to resolve, I find that more interesting than adding this third race in there that I don't have any connection to. Yeah. Um, other than the fact that it's like, yeah, I guess they're mad at the Andorians and the Andorians are mad at them and they say they've been that way for a long time. Yeah. It's a little <coughs> bit of um, little bit of deja vu-y too. Like that seems to be the conflict with all these races. They're just like, yeah, we've been fighting forever. We just fight. That's just the thing that we do. And Archie goes, yeah, I guess everybody fights. Everyone has a hard time with everybody else. Um it's just it's just a very bland like I never I, I understand what you're saying that the, we're at least familiar with the Andorians and the Vulcans, but I never felt like the Andorian Vulcan conflict was interesting. It, it's just sure. that they don't like yeah. each other, you know. Yeah, they kind of they started it off in a really interesting way. Yeah, with, with that, the secret uh, uh, secret base and stuff like that. Yeah, but after that, it was just kind of like you pink skin have this Vulcan on your ship. Arr. Yeah, um, and they they never really kind of do a ton with it, but um, which is too bad because it's a it's a good good uh, uh, source of drama um, for the show. Do you think the Andorians have been drawn well enough at this point? Are they do they have enough of a personality? It's, uh, not really, because the entire Andorian personality is Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, being a like, thug. I don't think of. Yeah, I don't think of, the wrong word. Sorry, I, but I don't think of them past Jeffrey Combs. Like I think of <clears throat> everything I know about them and everything, all of their points of view. I know because he says them or acts them. Yeah. So like, I don't know anything really about their culture at all. He does a lot uh, of let me talk to my superiors and get back to you. <laughs> just, it's just him. Yeah. 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 I know that apparently sometimes they have very forward women, and you are can't do much to to repel them uh, uh, that 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 mako that's a dedicated soji it's like, <laughs> it's like get back in your room <laughs> at least well, i mean he did 
he did wait long enough for her to just completely start feeling him up all over the place before he was like, maybe you need to go back into your room. So he's Man. not made of stone here, I guess. <laughs> and that's why he got knocked the fuck out. It's true, though. Think of the um, the Cardassians from DS9. There's like 20 different Cardassians we know and can name, but the Andorians just have Shran talking through them. And the, the yeah. Cardassians of DS9 are all individual, identifiable characters who are different from each other. Um, Shran is just Shran, and he has his underlings, and he has Talos or whatever her name is. There's there's always one woman, one chesty woman in Dorian <laughs> who does... <laughs> who's kind of underhanded in her methods. That's basically all you get. Yeah, I don't... I haven't really thought about it, so I don't know how I would adjust the Andorian. I think them being paranoid is a good base, but I don't think that they have a... like a cultural identifier that gives them something you can draw from. Like the Vulcans have their logic. Uh, the Tellarites have their, their insults. So I would change that to argumentative, but... The Andorians, the I feel like they need something that adds to that just instead of just being hostile to them all the time. I don't know what it would be, and that's yeah. rewriting the episode, but... Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's 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 tough to do... <clears throat> it's tough to do an episode like this where you've got two warring cultures and you're really, you're really laying it on the shoulders of the actors who are playing the representatives of those cultures because they're not... You don't really have too much context as to what their fight is about and you have to hope that they can do an, a good enough job to uh carry it until the bad guy shows up because yeah. again that's the thing it's like they have to be just convincing enough that the this bad guy plot works one thing that stuck out to me that we haven't really and, i don't i was just gonna say i mean i i guess you could also argue like <clears throat> They don't need to like that's as convincing as they need to be. Like they get like like we said again, the point of this episode is not politics. It's it's the uh it's the action thing underpinning whatever yeah. political stuff is going on in the background. So you could argue that all you need is to know that the Andorians and the Tellarites don't like each other and they're on the brink of war and that's enough. That to, I think that's what the show thinks, is that yeah, that's enough. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm not so enamored with Enterprise is because that's not the take that I would like. That's that comes back to my point of this felt like an early season episode because it's like, no, the action is the focus and whatever else, whatever else is going on on the sides is just background to this action sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I don't think we've ever really talked about came into clear, clear focus here. The show doesn't really want to grapple with the fact that Archer is a jet pilot who had nepotism that launched him into this position, you know, and mm -hmm. he is the person who's going to be tasked with building an interstellar alliance. He has no qualifications whatsoever to do this. He no. doesn't, he doesn't even have a, a uh, counselor Troy character. Counselor Troy would have more point in this series, I think, than she does on TNG. Oh yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. You would think that they would send some sort of uh, diplomat, or something instead of giving it to Neil Armstrong to, to <laughs> par parse out the future Neil, of the fucking galaxy. It'd be Neil Armstrong's son, basically. It'd be like it'd be yeah, tangential yeah. to Neil Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, show doesn't want to deal. The, the guy from the right stuff is here to to tell us what we should do about our merging our economies. All right. So before we wrap up, I guess we should talk a little bit more about the Romulans. Chuck Yeager. Chuck me. Yeager. Chuck Yeager. Um. The kidnapped Lindbergh Inventor of baby. the Jaeger bomb. Yeah. Would you say he kidnapped the Lindbergh baby? The kidnapped uh, Lindbergh baby would be the Archer character, I think, in this. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I guess talk about the Romulans. Like, we did talk about... Is there anything else to say about the Romulans? Incredible bumps I, on their forehead here to really make sure that you're aware that they're Romulans. Oh, man. <clears throat> they, they made sure to hit those bumps with the right angle of light that you can see... Like it's like the dark side of the moon on the other yep. side of those bumps. Uh, some pretty good lighting. I don't know why. Love they, the set design. Every shot inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why the shot. Every shot inside the uh, um, the the bridge was like had like a, a, a fisheye filter on it or something. Yeah, and it was overexposed where, too. It was like real. Yeah, overexposed. Were, lots yeah. of close ups. I'm sorry. The fisheye lens stuff was the was the uh, read and and trip stuff. But there's still there was a weird. 
film style that they were doing inside the uh, uh, like that uh, the grease the lens room. where they used to put Vaseline on the outside of the it's that that kind of a thing. Yeah, and I I, I feel like the Romulans have the least amount of costume design change over very consistent 200 years we've seen them because it just looks like they grabbed a couple shirts off the rack and put a belt on them and put some bumps on their head and said all right go out there and be a romulan yeah something i could see Um, my american grandmother wearing in her like 70s is what's (laughs) it's like sort of a shirt made of squares (laughs) yes (laughs) they stuck to it um what did you think of that ship like I'm sure we're gonna. I, I assume we're gonna figure out what that ship is, but I, I don't. I you don't thought know. it was big. Something about it was. Yeah, I think you said earlier. Did you? I, I assumed this, it was big. I got the sense it was smaller than the Enterprise. I got the sense it was like a shuttlecraft. Oh, I, guess, I guess I didn't. They didn't really put anything into scale with it no. to kind of tell you how big it is. I, I assumed based on the shape, it was like a massive thing, but I guess not. I think the only thing you get is when they find it the first time. The, the Enterprise like stumbles onto it. It looks small on the view screen. Maybe that was supposed to be distance, or I thought it was just like I thought I was getting the impression it was like a shuttlecraft that had been gotten away from this blow up, blown up ship or something. Oh, I I, I love the set design of it. I thought it looked cool. Um, it, the revelation of what it is didn't blow me away, so I don't know if I'm supposed to be impressed by that. Like I'm like, okay, it's a drone. They're flying a drone in space. Maybe maybe in 2003 mm-hmm. that was more impressive as a concept or 2005 or whatever. Outside of that, it's it just based on what I know about Enterprise, the interesting thing that I would care about what's going on in this ship is the conversation between the Romulans about what they're doing. And here mm-hmm. they can't do that because it'll expose the plot. But I don't really have high hopes, much like in the Vulcan arc, that they're ever going to get to the nitty gritty of what the Romulans think that they're trying to do here. They'll just kind of make right, a vague right. thing. So outside of that, I don't really, I don't really think anything about the Romulans in this. Do you think there's somebody special under that helmet? No, I think it's, it's just, just a pilot. Romulan person. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if maybe there was some sort of secret in there, but I don't think so. We'll see. Probably very not. very daft punky, as you were saying, with the spikes on the ship and the helmet on on that guy and uh, Danger Mouse or whatever <laughs> producing for them. Um, did you have any thoughts about the Romulans and their their little their ship ship of mirrors? Um, it seems like nobody really seems to bat an eye at the technology they seem to have because that seems to be pretty solid technology. I thought to it was- be able to make your ship look like somebody else's ship, match their weapon signatures. Yeah. Uh, that's that seems like a, a pretty solid weapon they got there. Uh, up until they were talking about the weapons, I thought it was a proto-cloaking device. Like, it's like an early so early yeah. design of like, well, we can't go invisible, but we can look like other things. The, the weapons is... Which, uh, arguably, better than a cloaking device. Yeah, it's more, more useful. More situation, to it. yeah. Because yeah. they can... Um, well, the weakness of the cloak that they always say is that they can't shoot while they're cloaked, right? But these guys can look oh, like a right, Tellarite right. ship, and they can shoot anything. So it seems like that's an advantage to have. Although, does bring up this thing of, does no one look out the window of a ship when they see something so that they can actually see it? You know what I mean? No. Because... What do you mean? Well, I guess this this I wonder if this works for cloaks. So if if a Romulan warbird cloaks, does it turn mm-hmm. invisible to your eye as well? Like if oh, I ever look I out the window, is it like predator? Right. You mean? <clears throat> yeah, good question. I Because what the, what they're doing probably? here is they're doing some kind of sensor thing where I wonder if you looked out the window you'd be like that's not a Tellarite ship, that's some weird daft punk looking ship. Oh, okay. So you think so do they say that that's what's happening? I don't, that I don't, I don't like know. Sensor? Don't know. No, okay. I just I just assumed it was visual for everybody. Um, yeah. I'm well. In in the real world, quote unquote, I it. Yeah, I'd be. I'd wonder whether or not the cloaking device is a predator type situation, hmm. or if it is just a sensor thing. But uh, most, I, I assume it's a predator. You got you got yourself a predator situation right there. You just see all the people walking around in space inside the ship as as you're looking in. It's just invisible. I would assume that has to be the case, but I don't. I don't know. I guess so. When the ship eats, it's disgusting. It'd be like the the villain in Invisible Man 
He's a, he's really invisible. He's still there, but he's just you can't yeah. see him. It's, it's optics. He's got that. The ships have 150 million tiny cameras on the outside that somehow create a reflective field or whatever the hell it was. You know, I watched that movie recently. Um, mm-hmm. Something you guys didn't bring up in your podcast. Do you think being invisible would give you MMA level fighting skills? <laughs> would you? <laughs> would you be able to take down a cop who's working out all day just because he can't see you? If he couldn't him? see me. I feel like I'd at least have the upper hand unless he was like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport level where he can just, you know, shut his eyes and strike everywhere I'm going to be. The same, the same way everybody beats Nightcrawlers eventually when they just kind of close their eyes and punch forward and just happens to be when he appears. <laughs> just appears there. I just I had a problem in that movie when the nerdy lawyer brother, spoilers, is wearing the suit and he's just beating the shit out of this guy and it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't. I don't know if this is if this is. Right. Hey, I mean, there's no reason to assume that he doesn't have formal fight training. I guess. I guess that's true. They don't really. They don't really dig into it. They don't, they don't have that scene of him talking to her where he's just untaping his wrists that's from right. his training session. <laughs> it's just she's talking to him on the cell phone. He's just punching frozen pig carcasses in the the back of his house. <laughs> nothing. Nothing like that. Anyway, that- sorry. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I just uh, just got done sparring. I do mu- Muay Thai. Now, uh, my dead brother is going to give you all of his money, and uh, I'm totally fine with that. Just sign here, please. Uh, that's it. Babel One. I guess we're done talking about this one, so we'll go to Patreon thoughts. But first, if you enjoyed the content today, patreon.com slash file is the best place to go to support the show. You get extra podcasts. You get the ability to vote on what we talk about. You get Clay and Amanda's Friday the 13th series currently going through the end of the year. Then they'll do something else. Almost done, yeah. You get a whole bunch of stuff. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, <coughs> excuse me, now my voice is going to give out on me. And as always, our special thank you goes to our Captain Tier supporters who are our biggest supporters on Patreon. They get a special thank you. Special thank you to Samuel Costa, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Chola, Cal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Pouch, Brandon House, Matt Cutler, Michael Pond, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Darth Moss, Kevin Race, Jordan Cooper, Russell Oates, Stephen Minton, HH28, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Nick the Rat, Point Extra G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceski, Pat Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Larry, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Dizbrada, Retail, Edmark Starr, Tom Hickey, Grapple, John Zorn, Jose Hunter's EWNF remixes. <coughs> Excuse me. Catherine McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beal Jonas, Tommy Tango, Tuvix Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Chase Jackson. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. So now we'll go to our patron comments. If you're a supporter, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them. There's six of them right here. First one is... Oh, I can feel the tickle in my voice, Clive. Grappler John Zorn says... You can send them over if you want me to read them. I'll try. Well, if I start coughing, I might have to do that. Stuff I liked about Babel 1. For how badly Enterprise botched the Vulcans, they absolutely nailed the Tellarites, and I absolutely love the opening Hoshi Archer coaching scene. The series-long Andorian arc really starts to pay off here as the transition from frenemies to allies mirrors the Archer-Shran relationship. By the end of the season, the Orions will have some thoughtful development as well. That's surprising. Oh, and fuck you, Alex Kurtzman, and you and your writing staff having not watched any of this stuff. Enterprise Season 4 has better written, developed, and better designed aliens than anything you've done with 100 times the budget. Four Tellarite street food tacos out of five. That scene with Archer and Hoshi, <coughs> I did find kind of interesting because, like, like I said, at first I thought they were they they were doing rehearsing a play or something. Yeah, and then for a second I I didn't give the show enough credit, and I was like, are they? Is this real? Is this a plot line, a character thing that they're going for at the end here? And then my third thought was, are these guys gonna make out? <laughs> Because it seems like you're gonna make out. Is that what that what gets Archer going? I guess. Yeah. Just some uh, insult. Sado <laughs> mis- misrepresent kissing. a woman's fat ass at the the at the uh, <laughs> the food buffet. Worked for me. I'm sorry, Amy. It's just it seemed like that scene in Anchorman where they're insulting each other and then they start making out. Yeah. Yeah, you should have. I should have told her to go back to her home on Whore Island. <laughs> 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 
Well, they do actually. Funny enough, in this episode, they do the "when in Rome" joke from Anchorman. Basically, what's that? Where he goes, "When it, when Archer goes, well, when in Rome," and Tapal goes, "Excuse me," and he says, "Oh, never mind." And Anchorman, she says, "When in Rome," and he goes, "Yes, continue." She's like, "No, it's a, it's an, it's an expression." You know, don't worry about it. Continue. I haven't seen Anchorman in a long time. Mm, uh, yeah, me neither. Rayo says, Babel 1, I really enjoyed the world building of the Tellarites at the start. It reminds me of that John Adams miniseries quote, the English love and insult, it's their only test of a man's sincerity. Having grown up watching The X-Files, it was a treat to see the extremely iconic alien bounty hunter Brian Thompson as Romulan Admiral. No offense to the guy, but he has a very distinctive and intimidating face that you don't want to mess with. And as a twist, he's not involved in thuggery this episode. It's clear there was a real Star Trek passion that went into this episode. The Romulan bridge is clearly evoking the original Romulan warbird set from Balance of Terror with all the consoles facing the center of the room. And unlike Star Trek Nemesis, Star Trek 09, where the Romulans are portrayed as brutes with monster ships, we see the Romulans do what the Romulans do best. Espionage. Four out of five. Brian Thompson does hold the esteemed place <laughs> as being the first person to be killed by the Terminator in the Terminator franchise. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Is he yeah, him and, one uh, of those th- the Bill punks? Paxton? Okay, yeah, yeah, him and Bill Paxton and some other guy. History has time is forgotten. Unfortunately for that guy, he's with some I know some caliber yeah. caliber people. Um, that was the other guy was actually Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, who <laughs> lived among the California crust punks scene for six months before he played that role. And to tie into our Patreon thing, I did. Um, some research, and apparently, this is the caliber of actor that Daniel Day Lewis is. He played every single reflection character in Quantum Leap the entire series. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Just 70, 78 roles as reflected character. He's very good. He's a very good actor. Mm, yes. Matt Ross says Babel One, wow, an Enterprise episode that ties into the start of the Federation. Combs' Shran is always a pleasure to see whether chewing the scenery of a broken ship or yelling at a Tellerite. For once, it seems like humans are portrayed as the necessary glue for the future alliance. The cliche insult dialogue of the Tellerites is fun, as is the prep of Archer by Hoshi. Even action, action Archer is relatively subdued in such a way that you have faith of the heart that at least this story has some interesting turns and fits of the theme of Trek. The Romulan says the great destabilizers seems even plausible, as does a guard not interested in the blue lady. Four out of five. Tremendous amounts of four out of wow. fives. Yeah. I, you know, the, I find that interesting only because I watched this episode, I don't know, f- five, six hours ago. So today. Yep. And I I was watching it. I did nothing else. My phone was in the other room. I watched this episode and I cannot think of much to talk about about it. And I don't know why that is. You Do you think that I'm... Would you agree with me or would you agree with the patrons here? I just, I don't think there's much in this episode, really. Like, no, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's a mediocre it's enterprise episode. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Like, yeah. our, our 90% of our podcast talk was like, I wish the enterprise had done different things in the past. You know, yeah, it's that's like, the mark of a great episode <laughs> of their show and our show. <laughs> we talked we, we we talked at length about observer effect. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. This is just I, it's again it's not this is not even bad. It's just fine. It's just a fine fine thing of episode. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably a good fourth season episode of this show doing the things that the show does. Yeah. Like it's not it's not offensively bad. It's it kind of leans back on the things the show is known for and it it does them. Well, I guess. Do we, as podcasters of this franchise, undervalue canon? Um, I w- might say other people overvalue canon. I don't know if yeah. I undervalue it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> why? Why do you ask? Well, a lot of it has been <clears throat> comments. Oh, on okay, sure, sure, yeah. How this is a seeding the future. Of the Federation, yeah, the show should have yeah, been doing well, this. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, agree, I would agree that the show should have been doing this. I think it. I also think we might be at a bit of a disadvantage because you, you and I don't know how this shakes out yet. Sure, 
so we we could be criticizing it in a manner that is not necessarily deserving of because maybe they don't do what they did in the Vulcan one and uh, try to rush through repositioning everything to line up with with uh, the pre existing canon. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yarpy says finally. The only thing I know is <laughs> the only thing I know is you are wrong about your opinions of the Tellarites, just like you're wrong about your opinions of the Vulcans, and everyone's going to let you know it. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm getting openly hostile comments about my takes on the Vulcans, uh, which just really just goes to show me that everyone else is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's not really a complaint about this, but the only the only comment at this point that really gets to me is I can take like a stoop like the just a generic insult comment because those happen on the videos and it's just like who cares like fuck you sure um I can take a I can take comments that disagree with me rudely I'm like whatever it's fine the comments that kill me are rude disagreement that also does not understand what I'm saying in the first place. So it's like, it's sure. this multi-layered yeah. thing that's like, it's it's rude, hostile, and I feel that I have to go back and try to explain myself. I never do because it's never going to go anywhere, but it's like, I just, I read the comment and go like, you're not, you're not accurately explaining what I think right. here. Like yeah. you're just way off on yeah. it. You're way off base about what you're talking about. That's, that's the only comments that bother me. Yarpy says, "Yeah, that is the nature the nature of an inter- internet argument. I think summed up pretty well right there. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it is tough on the internet. This thing, but it's just like it's one of those things." Yarpy says, "Finally, we see the foundation of the Federation starting to build up and meet the Tellarites. I love the Tellarites. I wish we'd seen them more, especially in the previous shows. But am I the only one who thinks that they look like a combination of Finns and Russians? Yes, you are. Uh, can be brutally honest. Literally, yes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced about the hollow ship text and uh, seems maybe a bit too advanced for the time. This is what Enterprise should have been from the beginning. I'll never understand why they didn't introduce all the founding member races officially much earlier. Five out of five. Wait a minute. Hold on. So are you telling me that any time a Finnish person has found their soulmate in Russia and they have a child, it looks like a Tellarite? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> He's Finnish. Isn't that insulting to to himself? Yeah. Like a, a pig least, beast? Yeah, I guess. At least 50% <laughs> insulting to himself, I guess. The Tellarites look like that guy in RoboCop who gets hit by the car and explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that, he does. Yes. <laughs> Which I've been told is what half Finnish, half Russian babies look like. Yeah. So who's to say? Yep. Kyle Barrett says, Babel <clears> 1. <throat> Fucking finally, you sorry excuses for podcasters have made it to the best arc of the show after distracting yourselves with other podcasts that we don't, we listeners don't give a shit about. If you didn't demand to spend your time looking after your poxy banana mispronouncing children or patting yourself on the back for writing for DC with an asshole who brags about speeding in a school zone, maybe you would have finished Enterprise already instead of this one podcast a week bollocks. But I'm sure if Excel spreadsheets weren't the only thing that would get him hard, Wes would have another kid already and selfishly ruin the schedule again for all of us. I hope your dumb TNG by his brains realize that this is the perfect story for our enterprise, spinning a prequel tale that relies on canon without being a slave to it, able to pull off some fun twists, inject some humor, and develop species like the Tellarites that are iconic yet largely unknown. And thankfully, there are no Vulcans for Wes to regurgitate how they don't meet his subjective preferences for the species for the hundredth time. But while I love Brian Thompson, I don't think that big-headed bastard suits playing a Romulan. I can't explain my thoughts any longer because you limit your opinions to five measly sentences, but that's still more than Clay lets Amanda say before interrupting her by reading IMDb (laughs) trivia verbatim on Rotten Horror, a podcast where the name is the only only good thing about it. Four no hard feelings comments in the style of Tellarite diplomacy out of five. Hmm. I did want to say that um, Cal's been a faithful you, listener uh, for forever and has supported the show and always comments. And I'm glad he just doesn't have anything else going on in his life, really, so that he's able to, to do that. It's very kind of him. Well, it rains a lot where he is, I it's think. True. And, you know. Seasonal, seasonal depressive disorder <laughs> kicks in, and you just take it out on whoever is closest. And apparently, for Kyle, the closest people in his life 
are thousands of miles away and on the internet and complete strangers, which in and of itself is sad. <laughs> Telluride diplomacy, indeed. I still think they should just argue. Arguing is better. Anyway, continuing <laughs> on. Thank you, Kyle. Brandon Howell says, Babel One, this is the final comment. This is what I signed up for, the genesis of the Federation. I enjoy the Tellarites as a race and a race that communicates by insults. Shran is always good value, and the torture scene with Soval is intense. I think you might have <laughs> might, might have misremembered what episode we're up to at that point. That was a while ago. The stealth ship is a creepy idea, but if I was the pilot with the electrode-covered hood, I'd be screaming from claustrophobia. I can only give this a three and a half out of five because Talos uh, attempting to seduce the guard is so annoying. P.S. How do the Endorians know what swine and pig mean? It's true. They eat tellers. I've always wondered about that. Yeah, I've always wondered about that when you've got... I guess it's the universal translator of it all where whatever they're saying is being translated into the closest English analog yeah. of an insult. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your comments. Much appreciated. Hopefully you all seem to have enjoyed... Babel won quite a bit. It's like a four and a half out of five on average from the patrons. Um, Damn. What are you going to give it, Clay? I'll give it a high three, I think. I think it was fine. I think it's, you know, set up as decent. I'm not, to- it doesn't have, it, does- it hasn't hooked me the way that the previous two uh, multi-episode arcs have kind of hooked me with an idea. Sure. I'm still not totally sure what the idea is here aside from what if the federation hadn't happened yet yeah um but yeah you know i thought it was fine are you not intrigued by the romulans trying to stop this from happening i don't really fucking know about anything about them i don't really mm-hmm. care they just seem to pop up and go, and like step out of the shadows and go <laughs> well this won't be the last time they hear from us yeah and then that's the last time you hear from them for like a, a bunch of episodes but I just don't know. I like. I feel the Romulans might be for me the most underrepresented species in Star Trek, like of regular reoccurring species. Because I, the only thing that I know about them is that they are. You mean underdeveloped? Related? Sorry, underdeveloped. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that they are the other half of the Vulcans or whatever? They're connected that way. They've got the Remans who are even worse off than the yeah. Romulans. Dinosaur people. And aside yeah. from that, dinosaur people. And aside from that, I know that Tasha Yar's offspring becomes one of them. <laughs> like, aside from that, I don't really know. And, and I don't really know what they're about. I don't really know what their ethos is. I'm sure you people are screaming at me right now for not paying attention because, you know, I don't. Um, but, like, I just, anytime they show up, like, these other races, I kind of, like, go, oh, okay, I know where these guys are coming from. Okay, I know where these guys are coming from. The Romulans just seem to be, like, the last species they have that's, like, if we need bad guys, let's just use them. Yeah. I guess the, the one thing, I would agree with you that that's pretty much all you know. The, the one thing that I think you can add to that is that they are usually played as devious tricks, like, not tricksters, but devious spy characters. Like, they... They never, um, they'll never start a war overtly. It's always, their plots are usually involving some sort of like subterfuge or something like that. Um, but the, the, the franchise itself has never explained why they operate this way or what they think also they're doing. I also know that they like to have sex with their siblings. Yeah. I think. Well, did you read that? Did you read that Chabon? medium post or whatever the fuck it was i don't think so he did a um like a sort of bible-esque post on the internet where he kind of fleshed out what he sees romulan culture as and it's incredibly in depth um and very Mm -hmm. interesting very little of it makes its way into the Picard show at all, I think. But like you, you can see that he's clearly thought about what he thinks about the, the the one reference you might remember is that there's the the metaphor for like the the Romulans love to use the the back door, like snigger that kind of thing. Like there's is that you know like oh, they, sure, the, the sure, Romulans yeah. like don't go in the front door ever. They always come around the the back door. Um, he has a whole run on that kind of a thing, 
and but it's all not canon stuff you know it's just, sure, it's just sure. the romulans yeah. of this yeah and i mean you know correct me if i'm wrong but like i i just they have never really made an impression on me outside of them being kind of underhanded you know <clears throat> like i kind of i kind of get more or less what the the other races are kind of about um but romulans and i don't know if part of it is like the romulans never really had a defining actor play one of them because i think that goes a really long way with these different yeah. uh cultures because you know you've got spock and sarek for the vulcans you've got uh michael dorn yep. even though he's a terrible klingon he's a as the in the Klingons, or even even someone like Gowron, you've got someone yeah. who you can keep coming back to. And you go, okay, I get it. You know, you got a, a Olamo Olam- defined the Cardassians. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I don't feel like they've ever really had one of those for the Romulans because they always kind of just show up. I mean, the closest one they kind of have is Tasha Yar's daughter, right? Sort of. Yeah, they had a recurring. Um, he's not a huge actor, but there's the. There's a guy who plays Tomalak in early TNG who's a recurring Romulan. He's the guy who plays the he's in um the fugitive. He's like the the heavy for the bad guys, that Greek looking oh, guy. Yes. I I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. The, he he was a recurring character, but it didn't didn't amount to much. Um Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. They've never really just had a Romulan who has made an impression on me. I yeah. I, I mean, I think my core problem with them is the way that they're defined is that they, they're they always plotting, but I'm not really sure what they're doing or why they're doing it. Like, there's, yeah, there's no... Sure, that's... Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't they just leave everyone alone? Because then we would leave them alone. It, it's not like the Federation is like, no, listen, Romulans, like, we have to talk to you. The Romans could just be like, fuck off. We don't want to talk. And the Federation would go, all right, that's fine. See ya. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know what it is. I'm, I am... Curious to know when they eventually tell us in this series why the Romulans are trying to stop the why they're trying to accelerate the war between the Andorians and the Tellarites. Just because I would like to know what their ethos is. It's uh, I I maybe I'm underthinking it. I just thought it. I can't see any other way it plays out other than they don't want the Federation. They don't want an alliance to form. Like that, they're they're doing it as kind of a political Game of Thrones type thing to stop a greater power forming in the area. Yeah, I I will be if that's what it is. I will be underwhelmed by that. I think because that is a outcome based on uh, omniscient knowledge of the series. Of the season, yeah, of the franchise. You yeah. know, of the franchise, uh, which like makes sense when if they said that you go, oh yeah, I get it, and then you kind of go, wait a minute. Why would they assume that was going to happen? These two cultures have been killing each other. Why the hell would they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, you might be right. I may be crazy. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, I didn't give my score. It's a three. This is the definition of a three for Enterprise. Yeah. We both give it a three. Babel one. Thank you very much. Glad to have anything you want to say. Patreon.com slash the Penske file before you go. There you go. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, uh, as Wes mentioned previously, Amanda and I are making our way through the Friday the 13th series, which apparently everyone except Kyle has been enjoying. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this should be December at this point, I think. So we are in the home stretch of our final movie, which is the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. Yep. That's not um, this month. This comes I'm, out in December. Definitely. So yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and then after that, I think we're going to we're going to I think we're going to put up a poll to see what we cover next year uh, for for the year. Uh, we haven't quite figured it out yet, but uh, badass is on hiatus um, until we start up badass beyond. And my book, Bloody Hell, my graphic novel, is now out in comic book stores everywhere. Or uh, by the time this comes out, you can order it on Amazon as well. So if you would feel like grabbing a copy of that, I'd be much obliged. We'll put a link. There'll be a link down below for all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice is better. We made it to the end. I'm glad. That's it. Fable 1. We both give it a 3. Check out all the stuff. Listen to the other shows. 
join the Discord. I guess we're done. We'll be back with the next episode, which I think is called United. I believe it is called United. So I wonder what that's about. <laughs> so let's, um, we'll see you in a couple days. It's early December, so I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Christmas is coming up. Enjoy that. Happy holidays. I'm very frustrated that this year is over because it the back the back quarter of the years flies by have just been oh my god it's like right after as soon as september hits it's like boom the rest of the year's gone once the where we are knowing once the weather turns a little bit it just yeah. boom you're now in the middle yeah. of january and it's cold it's like wow that went that went super fast there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in the all right guys thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time with the united see you later